0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Cooperators Viewers Couch. I'm one of your hosts, Ben, and I'm joined by my shirtless friend, Carmen.
1: I'm wearing a shirt.
0: And the man who needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyways,
2: my ever co-host,
0: Mr. Gabriel. How's it going, Gabe?
2: I've been been here ready to go. I I got eyes and (laughs) glasses.
0: <laughs> yes, you do.
1: All right. Wait, is there a video on this thing? Can they see me? Can the they pants. see the shirt that I'm wearing? Okay, that's yeah. good because I'm definitely wearing a shirt.
0: Yeah, totally wearing a shirt. Totally not. And
1: pants. I'm um, not naked.
0: <laughs> All right, on the cooperative view couch. If you didn't know, each and every week we go through a movie that we are currently watching a series of. This week we are going through Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Carmen, no one wants to see that. <laughs>
1: I'm wearing a shirt. I don't know what you're talking about. You don't want to see the logo on my shirt?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You can catch us each and every week on Fridays. Uh, You can catch us on social media on the other days, and you can listen to us wherever you find your podcasts. Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix was directed by David Yates. It was originally released in Tokyo, actually, which is kind of weird. The first release date uh, was on June 28th. Then it was subsequent subsequently released on July 11th in the United States and then 12th in the United Kingdom, which is kind of weird to me that Tohu got the first release of this one instead of a uh, United Kingdom, but you know whatever. Uh, the runtime is 138 minutes, a budget of between 150 and 200 million, with a box office of again just shy of a billion dollars at 942 million dollars.
1: Um, I once worked worked at a box office. Yeah. Yeah, we made boxes.
0: <laughs> I was wondering where you were gonna go with that one.
1: In an uh, office.
0: <laughs>
1: I once played with dolls hairs. What what what? You played with dolls' hairs? Yeah, doll hairs. Oh. Oh. Alright. Wow.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now we're gonna change up the format just a little bit this week. I'm gonna give a couple facts this time, some HP facts, if you will. Uh we'll go into like... HP. Some initial thoughts. We'll go into a the quick two-minute plot summary. Uh, and then we'll go into our more deeper analysis. Get our movie facts. or our, Sorry, our differences between the movie and the books. Our voting. And then we will end it out with the question of the day. I put that in there because Carmen complained about our lack of structure last time.
1: I didn't complain about anything. And I'm wearing a shirt.
0: <laughs> Both of those are kind of mostly not really true all right (laughs) um (laughs) so the first fact i have here uh is even though this is the longest book in the entire harry potter series this is the second shortest movie which is why some things were lost in translation and why there were so many differences between the uh, movie and the books and why a lot of harry potter fans find this to be one of the worst movies in the series um During the filming of the Harry Potter series This is the movie that Emma Watson Actually thought about leaving uh, Her uh, Role as Hermione Granger And to stop acting Altogether uh, for these movies Uh, Later she decided that uh, She wanted to stay Because she thought it would be weird watching someone else Play her character I'm glad that she didn't move because that would have been a really weird Switch halfway through these series to Switch to a new actress Um I wouldn't have cared. Yeah, I would have. It was <laughs> such a weird change. Uh, originally,
1: think about it, Ben. What if Jennifer Aniston could have played Hermione Granger? That would've been awful. It would have made a lot of sense. Yes. <laughs> like, oh hey, it's... <laughs> I'm so glad to be 14, 15 years old with you kids, and <laughs> I'm I'm the same age as you. Let's be friends.
0: Story of most high school TV shows. Um, in the Also original... nipples. Oh, oh Jesus. <laughs>
1: God damn it, Carmen. Sorry. Okay, carry on.
0: Uh, in the original outline for the novel, Arthur Weasley was actually going to be killed off by Voldemort in this movie to entice him to come to the mystery instead of uh, Voldemort torturing Sirius. Uh, J.K. Rowling decided not to go through with the killing and then reconsidered it in the final novel. But again, he was saved because the uh, fan base liked Arthur Weasley so much. Um, just two more quick facts here. Uh, one is... Uh, The Ministry of Magic took 22 weeks to build, but it only appears in 10 minutes of the film. Uh, It was rigged to explode as well, so uh, cast members were not allowed to have mobile phones anywhere near the set uh, in case it accidentally triggered one of the explosions.
1: That's intense. Yeah. Like, Um, there was explosives, like, all over the place? Yeah. Oh man, like, Gabe thinks walls, that right? Gabe thinks that's wild, yeah. or either that, or else he just like put alcohol on his wound that he has on his arm. and He's freaking out. I can't <laughs> I, tell. He might Gabe, unmute un- un- thyself.
2: <laughs> yeah, that casting decision was interesting. <laughs> that's not what we're talking that's about. Not we're what talking, talking about. about that.
0: He's so far behind. All right, and the last one I have is that the film's made a mistake in the first one that I kind of mentioned when we were going through, and that Harry killed. Uh, Professor Quirrell, and he saw him die. Uh, in this one, it seems like uh, he finally gets to see the rolls that are carrying the, or pulling the carriages. Uh, because he killed him in the continuity of this movie series, he should have been able to see the rolls from the second year on. Uh, not just because he saw Cedric die. So that's mm. kind of just a weird uh, side thing as well. Neville has seen someone die in the books, uh, so he also should have been able to see the rolls throughout his entire Hogwarts career, but he doesn't seem to have been able to. And that's all I have for those. Um, Everything else kind of seemed very minor. Awesome. So we're going to jump into that two-minute plot.
1: All right. Let me set up the clock.
0: Get that clock ready. This time, it's my turn. Hopefully, I can uh, do an okay job.
1: All right. We got two Uh, minutes on the clock. All right. When you come
0: to a minute, put your hand up, and then at a 1.30, put your hand up again.
1: Okay. Sounds good. Wait to come to a minute and what was the other time
0: a minute 30 so i can kind of just make sure okay we
1: okay. need 30 seconds left okay here we go three two one go
0: all right it starts out and harry is expelled from hogwarts after using magic to save him and deadly for from the dementors uh harry is taken from by the order of the phoenix to sirius's home which is their headquarters uh where he learns the ministry of magic is refusing to believe that voldemort has returned uh and sirius also mentions a weapon here that voldemort wants uh harry's expulsion is reversed at a hearing from the ministry of magic and he returns to hogwarts for his fifth year here we meet dolores umbridge who is the new defense against the dark arts teacher who is kind of a vindictive asshole and cruel to the students umbridge's control over the school increases uh so harry and hermione and ron create a secret group called Dumbledore's army to train students in defense against the dark arts harry and Cho also develop romantic feelings for each other and they totally make out Harry has a vision involving an attack upon Arthur Weasley. Concerned that Voldemort will exploit this connection with Harry, Snape gives Harry Occlumency lessons to defend his mind against Voldemort's influence. Uh, Umbridge and her inquisitorial squad expose Dumbledore's army because of Cho and her loose lips. Uh, Dumbledore escapes as Fudge orders his arrest and Umbridge becomes the new headmistress of Hogwarts. Harry's refusal to forgive Cho causes their relation to fall apart. Oh, boohoo. Uh, the Occlumency lessons end after Harry discovers Snape's memory that fought his father and uh, James, or sorry, Sirius also ridiculed him after seeing a vision of Sirius being tortured by Voldemort. Harry and the gang go to the Ministry of Magic uh, after getting umbraged to take up, uh, off by centaurs. They enter the Department of Mysteries, uh, find the prophecy saying that Harry is a blah de blah. Uh, however, they are ambushed by Death Eaters. Harry refuses to give Lucius the prophecy, causing them to fight. A fight breaks up between all of them, and then Voldemort fights Dumbledore in a sweet-ass duel. Voldemort possesses Harry. Dumbledore doesn't kill him. Harry gets rid of Voldemort from his mind. Ministry officials arrive, fudge amidst Voldemort returns. Harry comes to terms with the prophecy. Neither can live while the other survives. Boom. Done.
1: Five seconds to spare. Yes. <laughs> Pretty good. Nice. most, mo- most impressive. Yes. Can you put, and, like, uh, a filter on that afterwards to make it sound more like Darth Vader? Uh, I can try. Okay, good. Excellent. Alright, well, if I didn't sound like Darth Vader, then Ben fucked up. That's,
0: uh, probably gonna fuck <laughs> up. <laughs> but I will try my best. That's okay. Uh, yeah, so... Alright, well, got a plot in, so what do you guys think? what do you guys think of this movie? Uh, Gabe, what, do you wanna start, or you wanna eat that, uh... uh is that a potato?
2: No,
1: just eat a potato. Apple. Oh, uh,
2: it's a good good movie. Um I think the first little piece of it in the first quarter starts a little slow, but it really accelerates and picks up. I think it's cool that David Yates uh does this film and then pretty much all the rest of them, even Fantastic Beasts, but yeah. you know. So it's it's interesting because these all have a certain style to them now and the opening I, I don't know it's just interesting because like each film has such a different opening than the last one and this one almost feels like fantastical ha pun intended uh, because of the way it starts like it doesn't really feel real it feels kind of like a dream so yeah I thought it was a good movie I enjoyed it it was a bummer ending
0: yeah I how about you Carmen what did you think of the movie overall
1: yeah it was fine I, I mean I liked it just as much as the last one I think probably uh wasn't like it blew my mind or anything like that, but yeah, it was fun. So it's like a cool universe and you get to see a little more of it in this one. yeah, yeah it's fun.
0: I agree i I I usually don't like watching this one uh but good again going through this with more of an analytical mindset. I actually did like it a lot more and especially Umbridge, I thought her character was really well played. I thought the actress uh uh Amelda uh can Kina- now her last name's hard Sauten uh was just amazing like she really had had you hate her from the second that she like did the first "Mm mm-hmm like that (laughs) when she interrupted Dumbledore because no one interrupts Dumbledore no one but um at that point like you just see that everyone kind of disliked her from the get-go and even when she's like in class like you can see the frustration on her face and like she's trying to keep calm while like the students are like calling her out on stuff uh until she finally breaks and it's just such like a a powerful like kind of character moment you're just like wow like she actually is going to be terrible for the rest of this uh she's gonna be a terrible person for the rest of this but a great actress i thought that she played it so well also if you have to put that much sugar into your tea maybe you just don't like
1: tea (laughs) oh yeah fuck I forgot about that yeah it was a shit ton of sugar I was like oh my god
0: she like put three heaping spoonfuls and I'm like why don't you just drink sugar with water
1: yeah and the tiniest (laughs) sugar and water (laughs) the tiniest cup of tea too
0: yeah and she had milk in it too so it was like really she didn't care about the tea flavor at the end
1: you know what she would like bubble tea Mm. right Um, am I right
0: yeah and her like I mean her torturing the students was pretty rough i think that uh i think that was like a very crazy part in the books too like and then harry refusing to like talk to anyone about it and just be like oh no i don't want to give the satisfaction it's like no go go talk to dumbledore be like this person's torturing students maybe uh maybe get rid of her find a new person i don't know do something maybe use like a magic magic on her like make her not such a dick
1: um there's a spell for that
0: i don't know probably there's a spell for everything hmm. um also one thing that i would suggest is that if you find the character like interesting in anything uh maybe not you guys but because let's be honest you're not you're not gonna but uh for <laughs> uh for any listeners out there if you want to know umbridge's backstory it's actually really good like uh jk rowling doesn't do a lot of like the backstory things but umbridge's is really good it's really messed up too like she's just always been a terrible person Uh, And very jealous of like other people's parentage And like uh, family lineage Uh, To the point that she made her like father Leave the Ministry of Magic So that she wouldn't be associated with like a Muggle-born
1: Where do you get this backstory from?
0: Uh, I'm pretty sure it is on Pottermore What's that? So it's the official uh, Harry Potter app That she puts like all the extra story stuff That she does onto it And also where you can get like sword into your house And everything
1: Oh Okay Gotcha. Okay, yeah. I thought that was Buzz- Buzzfeed. No.
0: Only for you, Carmen. Okay. It's not,
2: it's not fan fiction, Carmen. Okay. It's the real deal. It's
0: canon.
1: <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I, I put stuff on Potter Less.
0: Jeez. But yeah, so I think that that character, like, again, I usually really dislike watching this movie mostly because of her and, like, her character. But going through again with that more analytical eye, I was, like, just blown away with how good of a villain she really is. Because, like, (laughs) really, she as much as she's kind of vindictive and awful, she's not, like, evil like the other ones have been, right? Because, like, almost every villain so far has been Voldemort in some way, right? Except for maybe Sirius. Uh, But even then, like, the actual bad guy in that was connected to Voldemort. So this is, like, the first one where she's just a person. She's just another person in the world, and she's not connected to the Voldemort at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's a dick yeah for sure it's interesting to think about that but like yeah that she's like this is the first time that they face someone who's not baldemore Yeah, it's it's pretty punk rock uh movie though like they're like oh you know what we're not gonna we're we're not gonna take we're not gonna take it (laughs) and they decide to like make their own club and then like they get found out and all that and they call it Dumbledore's army and it's pretty hilarious yeah and Dumbledore's like oh yeah totally I told him to do that it's good yeah <laughs> good job thanks uh, guys
0: <laughs> one thing that I've noticed with this is that it kind of goes it's got a real sense of like l- of being alone and like the isolation that Harry feels like having the entire ministry and a lot of the wizarding world like think that he you know he is lying about this thing that's, like, so big, right? Lying about Voldemort coming back, just seeking attention, that kind of thing. It's really interesting, like, seeing, like, how he reacts to it, too. I mean, as a teenager, that'd be a lot to put on your shoulders. And as much as, like, there's a lot of teen angst when it comes to that, and, like, he pushes, like, Hermione and Ron away, there's one moment where he, like, I think he really becomes, like, introspective when he talks to Luna. And he comes back the table where Hermione and Ron are and he asked them just very politely and very nicely because he knows that he was like kind of a dick to them like can I join you and then you just get that moment of just like kind of easing of the tensions between everybody mm. which I thought was very it's a very underplayed scene but it's I think very important scene Uh just to be like Harry knows he was being awful to his friends the only people who really stood by him the entire time so
2: yeah, I think I think to add on to that, I think what makes that that really character arc quite interesting is I think it establishes how well developed char- Harry's character is, because for me reading it, I was like, it's not angsty, borderline angsty, but it's actually quite relatable because I think even if you're a youth or you're not a youth, being believed and being validated into say, into your truth, into your perspective on something it's it's so isolating and it's so frustrating to like just be like no that's not what happened no you're wrong you don't know any better you're wrong you don't know how would you know you don't you see i'm i, I know what i'm talking about i'm an expert you don't know Shh. it's going to be fine it's going to be just fine you don't know and so i just i found that whole little bit like kind of like you Ben. like i was like man harry understands he reflects And he kind of grows from that. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what makes him such a relatable character in this film.
1: I found Ron and Hermione to really come into their own as supporting characters to Harry as well. Like, yeah, as you guys are talking about Harry here being all um, relatable and interesting. I thought that the the dynamic and how they really support him and uh, are great friends and, you know, provide him with that kind of um i don't know like uh for lack of a better term uh bounce board of like you know family <laughs> yeah exactly i'm not using words good right now but uh you know what i mean <laughs>
0: yeah. um like they really like they play off each other a lot more but they become like i mean as much as they've been a huge part of this series so far it kind of shows that like they're stepping up i guess mm-hmm. yeah
1: Yeah, especially ron i thought that he was really mm-hmm. good
0: yeah when he comes to harry's like uh aid at the start even if harry doesn't appreciate it uh when Seamus is like going off on him uh i thought that was a really good moment for him because he was like hey come on guys like get off his back yeah yeah right
1: uh, and then and then Harry like tells him to piss off and he's just like, alright, I'll give you some space. Like he yeah. gets
0: he gets again, like it's something that I don't think a lot of people would understand, but he's like, I get that what you're going through, because I like right here next to you like it's happening. Family. Family. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I mean, am I wrong? You know? Because I think that's what they're they're becoming. They're becoming yeah. found family. Like they're yeah. realizing the dynamics between Oh. You're at this precipice where, like, you're emotionally, you're just not available, and you want me to fuck off. Okay, but it's not that you want me literally to fuck off. You just want me right now to fuck off. Yeah. No, I think it's just like again, it's it's engaging, it's engrossing to watch these uh, this this relatability. Mm Hmm. It's good shit. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. So I've uh, uh, my next point. Unless you guys want to bring up something first.
1: Sirius is a bad boy. Oh, yeah. He's like, he looks like a pirate the entire time. He wears like pirate clothes and shit, and he's like got all the beard and stuff. Like, I think uh, Gary Oldman took this role just so he could be like a sexy pirate for once. Because he's like, well, I've been Dracula. I've been a fucking d- spy or something. I've been an interdimensional, interspatial villain. It's time to be a fucking pirate. <laughs> I liked how he's just like kind of like oh, yeah, oh he's like oh yeah so this is my family I was burned out of the place but this is still my home and he just kind of like oh yeah he just like looks like a bad boy it's good
0: yeah you know Sirius was great in this um he's really good in the book too like it's very much you can see that he's really become Harry's father figure who but he also sees Harry kind of like as James like as Harry's father like that same kind of connection. Uh, as you see, in like, multiple times, like both when uh, Mrs. Weasley says at the start, but also when he calls Harry James later on in the movie, uh, that there's this full connection between the two of them that can't be broken until you know, unfortunately, he dies. But you know, still not broken. Still not broken. So, yeah, he's a really good character in this. I maybe I'll talk about it later, but. I can't remember if they talk about the mirror in this one. The two-way mirror with uh Sirius.
1: This is like an archway.
0: Oh no, okay. So in the books, Harry's given a mirror that can connect with Sirius whenever he wants to. Oh. So uh, it was something that Sirius and James used to talk to each other. And he's given this mirror and then Harry just like straight up forgets about it. When he, and like he could have just like called basically called him on his mirror phone. Be like oh hey you okay and he just doesn't he's just like, are you
1: being tortured <laughs> in ministry magic no okay cool
0: catch you later yeah so uh it's kind of one of those moments you're just like what the heck like that was such a big plot hole why even put that in there in the first place but
1: mm.
0: um if they didn't i couldn't remember if it went through in the the movie or not um the next thing i kind of want to talk about was uh the kind of that slow crawl that you get of voldemort taking over harry's mind that like you kind of it starts out like really early too, like I mean, obviously, it becomes a lot more pronounced later, but uh, when you see Voldemort, like, in the train station, in that business suit, which uh, was kind of weird why he was wearing a business suit, but, like, you could just see that, like, Harry's starting to, like, maybe not go crazy, but, like, start to hallucinate Voldemort wherever he goes now.
1: Oh, he's taking crazy pills.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, and it's kind of just like that, I think, we learn a little bit more, like, later on, I think, that some of those emotions from Voldemort are also creeping into Harry's, like, regular day-to-day life. So I think that also kind of accounts for some of that anger that comes out more and more often for him, uh, on top of everything else we've already talked about. Hmm. So uh,
2: I I think you can really, I think you can see with this, though, exactly kind of, like, how um, manipulative Voldemort can be. Um, just and also his power with that manipulation because really he's kind of like tugging all the all the strings here from all angles like from the government agencies to harry himself literally to the fear and that conversation about fear i think is so good um about how fear makes people just do things that is just not right but also how fear and someone pushing that fear can manipulate branches of government into things that they probably shouldn't be doing. Or, like, I mean, insert whatever you want. Like, mm-hmm. it could be the police. It could be, like, uh, it could be race. It could be government. It could be um, law. It could be banks. Like, it, it really, it just kind of shows the fallacies of, like, monolithic institutions that have no oversight or that things that have been around for so long that just need to be... Looked at like the education system, Umbridge. Like I think that's maybe it's a bit of a stretch, but a couple degrees of separation. That's really Voldemort who's doing that. Mm-hmm. And um, as as horrific as the character Umbridge is, I think she really, really, really shows uh, the. I think she's j- she's represents the evil of what Voldemort is through the education system.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, as well as. Uh like we were talking about the political side like the denial right like I don't want this to be true because it'll be terrible for everyone and I'll get blamed for a lot of this so Mm -hmm. just keep denying until it goes away kind of thing and just put all that blame on other people who are like trying to warn you about something but you're just saying that they're fear-mongering almost
2: Yep, or not believing in in victims or not believing in Mm -hmm. what people's ideas of what already set in stone are right like to say like oh this thing needs to be refixed and and changed like well, no no it can't be we're gonna wait we're gonna like kind of what you said Ben we're gonna wait we're gonna wait until it actually gets really bad Mm -hmm. and then when it gets really bad people are gonna be like well what why didn't we change it then it's like ah you know there were a lot of complications with that
0: Mm -hmm.
2: so it's just um I I feel like this movie is a lot more underrated than I think um maybe we give it credit for it but again i think a lot of the i think after prisoner of azkaban these films just kind of each one kind of builds off the other one and in, in a way of just really setting each other up for success but that's just me
1: yeah for sure the, f- the fear in this case seems to be a fear of losing power though it's like the ministry yeah. is so desperate to maintain their power because, like, when Voldemort shows up, I guess they were, like, you know, it was, everything was chaos, and they didn't have p- power or anything. Like, the Dementors, for instance, right? They're like, oh, the Dementors yeah. are under our control. And then Voldemort obviously has control of them again, So then they're not willing to accept that. And they're so desperate to maintain control that they're willing to, like, you know, uh, try to stop an uprising of, from Dumbledore, or inspired by Dumbledore, that hasn't even happened yet. They're like thinking like oh maybe like our allies are trying our are you know th- obvious obvious allies are trying to usurp us and so we need to stop them in their tracks even though they could be helping us like you know oh they're gonna try to get power because like we're in a vulnerable state or whatever fuck that so they'd rather you know take the chance with like this you know obviously evil entity who's been proven to like murder people and have all sorts of clearly evil intentions <laughs> And instead, like, you know, underfund the people who could be helping them.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Underfund the people who could be helping them. Allies.
0: And undermine them, too. By like, trying uh, to arrest them. Mm.
2: I I can't think of anything that that would be relevant to today. In <laughs> I really can't. Like, what does that have to do with anything?
1: This movie's fucking on the nose, baby.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right it's on the, nose. So on the nose, though, right? Yeah. Like, it's just like. But that's the thing, right, is I think you, you've you exactly articulated the issue, Carmen, is that whenever we talk about power, at least for me, I always find that, like, people talk about, like, it's, like, money. It's, like, the extreme hyperbole of what power is, right? But power is, like, a simple thing of just, like, I can do this thing. It's a very simple, innocuous thing. And that's a powerful thing. And and I even for people to lose that little simple thing is really scary to them. And they don't want to lose that. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I get. I think we all get, right? Like, none of us want to lose anything if we can afford to it. We want to share it if we can in a way that we don't lose anything less. But that's not how equality works. Yeah. (laughs) Like, everyone's got to give up something.
1: When you think about, like, fear now, it's, like, the things that people do because they're afraid. It's, like, you know, at the time of recording – COVID-19 was going on in this uh, podcast in case you didn't want to look at the date of when this podcast came out and people are fucking freaking out about having masks on mm-hmm. like you know it's like oh there's no there's no virus it's a hoax it's an inside job it's not a thing like yeah. people are afraid of what to accept the reality and they don't want to sacrifice you know wearing a mask they, yeah they, it's like you know it's seemingly a little thing to some people it's yeah. a big deal
2: mm-hmm like to really throw it on its head, Carmen, the reality that people have been living in right now and being like, man, this is so hard, such a difficult time. Mm. Like, man, welcome to being poor. Yeah. Welcome, welcome to being a disenfranchised minority or a person of color. Welcome to my world now, bitch. And it's like, what? I don't, And but that's a, that's a reality that people don't want to face. Kind of like in this film, no one wants to face the reality that they might be going to war. Mm -hmm. And, and the people that do remember that are saying, it's feeling like it, it's worrisome. And man, you're right, this film is so on the nose, because a lot of people are like, it's feeling like it, it's worrisome.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And everyone's just like, nah, I'm just going to be out on the park. and just, you know.
1: Drum circle time! <laughs>
2: and
0: it, like, it's, it's even like a line, like, it feels like it did last time, right? Like, when they're talking about, like, is there going to be war? And it's like, well, it, it feels how it did but this time is going to be worse right that's kind of what the idea behind this was is that if Voldemort took power this time it would be so much worse because he would know so much more and it seems like his followers are so diehard that they'd be able to recruit right and it's so much harder for the good guys now because the government or the mystery magic is stopping them from doing any kind of like preemptive Recruitment and getting ready for this war that's definitely coming. So, it's also yeah. scary because they can take over people's minds and stuff. Like that's even worse. Like you can't even prevent people. Like you don't even know who's on your side.
2: Yeah, kind of like the media. Oh.
0: Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> <yeah.
1: laughs>
2: Fuck yeah. Burn to the ground, baby.
1: Rise like the phoenix, box style. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. <laughs> what does what, what he say? <laughs> yeah, fuck, totally. The clap. It's oh. like, uh, you might want to not want to accept the minister, but Dumbledore's got style, <laughs> Man, Dumbledore fucked in this movie. Oh yeah. He, like that scene. Pl- well, I mean, it, you know, he starts off good when he's in the trial, when he's like, you know, defending Harry in this like super pol- like politically correct and diplomatic way, and he's just like, oh well, I'm sure you guys will be doing a full scale investigation of why there's Dementors in like Little Shire or whatever, wherever the fuck, yeah. in- downing place they were. But yeah, like the 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 Phoenix exit is like. Oh, by the way, I have no intention of going quietly, or however you do a Scottish accent, <laughs> I don't know. And then you just like whoop, sh- whoop, gone. The, everyone's like, damn. damn.
2: I, have no, I have no intention. I have no intention of how do you say going quietly? I just it's love like, how he says it. Is you know that what he says? It. Oh fuck yeah, yeah, it's, like, it's,
0: it's like you got. Uh, you seem to be laboring under the delusion that I will be <laughs> going. I will be what, How was it said? Going quietly.
2: Like oh, get man. him <laughs> that line was so not necessary though about you've got to admit Dumbledore has style it was better... so not necessary, necessary. But, like, no not necessary
1: is it necessary to but... drink my own urine no, no. but it's sterile no. and oh, I like the taste
2: exactly I was just going to say but adding it in I thought like elevated that scene where I went
1: ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> that's what I did too uh,
0: what's great I mean that scene is very different in the book Uh, in some ways like the reason why everything stops is because of Shacklebolt he's like even more of a badass in this in the book compared to the movie but he like actually freezes time for everyone and like knocks everybody out basically and he like edits like the like the, there's a the girl there who's like trying to like uh, speak out against Dumbledore and he like changes her memory completely like on the spot like quietly was <laughs> like damn Shacklebolt you got like some major chops no wonder you become Minister of Magic one day future spoilers sorry
1: god damn it Ben I forgot about that slash didn't care
2: yeah
0: it's not in, in the movie it's <laughs> only in the book
1: okay
2: You as dark as the film is though I do like kind of the overall messaging of it like of just like how the power like in spite of all of these really dark things that are happening and I think David Yates does this really well this really fine line well of like not making it too melodramatic or campy of the power of friendship and love and family, mm. of how those things, like, I think without that those those huge themes, you don't have the really cool training scene and you don't really believe that Harry can step up to be a teacher. And that Ron and Hermione showdown that they have, mm-hmm. would I don't think that payoff would have happened as well as it did without kind of pushing the narrative. like
1: Oh, that was so good.
2: The training them, scene was really good. It was great. And it's believable, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's kind of inspiring to see Harry step into the role of being a mentor. Um, and it's kind of like one of those things where it's like it's really within all of us like we can all do those things you just have to kind of you know mm-hmm. believe in yourself yeah. we just
0: need a montage uh, yeah that's what it was too it was like such a good montage but Waltz training uh, montage. I really like the uh, line he has where like every famous witch or wizard started out where we were students if they could do it why can't we like I thought that was such a good line too because it's just like it's true like everyone was where they are now like why don't they think they could be as good, right?
2: It's my favorite. It's my favorite thing. Why not us? Yeah. It's like it's it's like as we are recording this right now, the NHL playoffs will be happening soon. Ugh. Why not us? That's a good mentality for any team going into it. Yeah, Why true. not
1: us? As Jake the dog would say, "Sucking at something is the first step to being good at it." True.
2: Yeah. Uh, or would you quote other films? One time.
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What? Who the fuck?
2: What movie is that? It's the movie Little Giants. One time.
1: Left side. It takes
2: one time. It takes one time. To change something. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay, how about this? How about this? We'll go back. We'll go back to another reference. Um
0: One last time.
2: One last time.
0: Bad boys for life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, actually
0: talking about the training part, I thought that was like a really great moment. Um actually, did you guys notice that Harry's like how he they dressed was more regular clothing, but he actually modeled all the, or designed all the outfits based on Lupin. That was actually something that Danny Radcliffe uh, talked to David Yates about, saying that uh, Lupin would have been, like, Harry's hero, and he wanted to emulate him as a teacher.
2: Mm. So I thought that was
0: a very interesting, uh, small, just, like, sidebar, but um, yeah, like, training scenes are great. Like, I love montages, and I love, like, that these students who, like, were kind of they weren't great especially like neville uh they go through all this stuff and they like neville feels like he's kind of like he's terrible at it he's worthless and then he finally gets the expelliarmus spell and it's just like everyone stops and just like goes up and is so happy for him and it's such a good moment um gabe you're talking about family this basically this this group becomes kind of a family to each other too right so much so that neville and luna and Ginny go with harry to the ministry of magic to uh like take on a bunch of like adult death eaters who kill people regularly right like just to save his godfather so it's such a powerful moment um, yeah
1: family, family. <laughs> um,
2: I, I think that's one of those things though that's kind of like um, even from the beginning of this film too is how societally you look at people and their ability whether or not they're their they're kids or not kids or youth or, or adults or, or or even the elderly. I think you. there's always this, like, presumption of, like, certain people can do certain things, and that's it. You're here, here, here. You can only read, and you can't see it because it's a podcast, but I'm putting my hand up as a barometer, as a measuring stick, to say, that's as far as you can go. You can't go any higher because that's for the other group. But, like, fuck those rules, man. Like, who, who made that shit? Like, I think, like, if you can think it and you can achieve it, you can do whatever you need to do. Um, and in the case of them, and that's kind of what Sirius is saying, as to go back to Carmen's original point about Sirius, like Sirius fucks in this mm-hmm. film, because Sirius understands that Harry's at a transitional point in his life where he needs to know the truth he needs to be a part of this plan and he needs to fucking see the reality, which is that people are going to die, people are going to get hurt and unless he's involved and you know, that's I, it also is the part that makes it so bittersweet, because as, as Ben said too calls him james like he calls him james just before he dies because he's so impressed and so inspired by how harry steps up and when he says like great shot james i think is what he says right yeah yeah and it's just like and harry looks at him he's like oh shit and then they're like oh shit and it's this beautiful moment and it's just gone Mm -hmm. um and i just think that's one of those things where i'm like oh man that's like that's some really great storytelling that kind of happens
1: with that whole whole sequence of things. So. Alternative take yeah. on it: Sirius has really bad memory and forgets <laughs> oh, his name Carmen. and just, just like says the first name that came to his head.
0: Yeah, could be, right. <laughs> could be that. Well,
1: probably probably oh, Probably yours, but you know.
2: Um, and also, the other
0: part. What a terrible yeah. way for him to die! Like that was just so rough. Like they were winning that fight, they were like going hard, and then just out of nowhere, she like kills him and you're just like oh my god like there goes the last part of Harry's family that he just got back like he just gained this part of his life back and now it's gone again
1: yeah
2: Uh, it's pretty brutal it's pretty fucking
1: brutal I cried you had another point you wanted to talk about
2: uh well I think with his death is what I was gonna say I think there's so much symbolism in that of watching your only family member die your family member who not only dies but like hot take I think sacrifices his life for Harry because it looked like that shot was for Harry it wasn't for it wasn't for uh, black but I don't know
0: so that's, that's,
2: that's...
0: in the book it's definitely for black because it's not actually a killing curse that's thrown it's just like a normal spell that's thrown at Sirius because no. Bellatrix hates him so much because they're cousins right right uh, because she hates him so much and she knows how strong he is she wanted to make sure that he was out of the way he actually mm. but he in the book he's just knocked into the archway and disappears so it's even, like, more, like, gut-wrenching. Because, like, it wasn't even, like, that bad of a spell that hit him. It was just circumstance of where he was standing. Yeah. And even more of Harry's fault because they went to that room, right? Right. They, they decided to go there and all that kind of stuff, right? So it's even more of Harry's yeah. fault that he dies.
2: yeah and, and the other part of that, too, is the duality of, like, he lands in that archway and you see half of him, right? Mm-hmm. One half is dead and the other half is alive. And I just think there's so much symbolism behind that and like why it's his last family member uh, why he calls him James and it's just there's so much of it that's just like beyond the scope of me even to unpack um, yeah it's it's pretty brutal but at the same time I think it's necessary to understand that like loss is loss, and you're going to lose like I said it's about this whole thing of trauma like you're going to lose people in your life that are going to be huge important figures and sometimes you don't get a perfect way of saying goodbye sometimes it's just like that it's just like things are going great and then it just it's gone and that's that sucks yeah that especially just in sucks. war right like yeah,
0: like they said they're in a war like it might be a secret war right now but it's still war right like yeah, you're gonna lose people who are very important to you in this battle and you need to, yeah. be able to yeah. muster yourself enough to go on to continue your mission in your life
2: yeah yeah. So, and pretty... speaking of speaking of mastering yourself up and like continuing on with the mission, what I like about this film is we get to talk about my boy even more, Snape.
1: We oh, get to fuck find yeah! Out, oh we yeah.
2: We get to find out a lot about him. We get to find out that Snape actually is was kind of like Harry, and James was his Draco. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that allows so much more humanism for Snape to kind of get what's going on, and you kind of like. I'm going to save this for later when we finish this stuff, but, like, for my main huge bullet point point argument about why Snape is, like, the best. But, like, you get the reasoning for, and you're starting to see the unpacking of, like, Snape is, like, all about Harry. He cares so much about Harry. Uh,
0: I don't know if I agree with that. He...
2: I'm gonna fucking blow your mind, baby. No, I'm God. gonna blow your. I'm gonna blow your fucking mind. You don't even know. You don't even know what I've got planned, baby. It's um, fucking right. so. Calm cool. down.
1: Don't give me the clap. Alright. Yeah, don't
2: don't clap back at me. <laughs> I'm gonna give you the clap. We um, got the clap. Wait. What? Oh, go- wait, what? <laughs> um, you got the clap. uh Oh. We got oh, the no. clap.
0: But yeah, no, I don't think you're oh, gonna yeah. turn me on, Snape. I think that that's one part of the series that will never change for me. I mean. I, I
1: don't think you're gonna turn me on Snape well, that's what Lily says uh, I don't think you're gonna turn me on Snape <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, ah, that's true but yeah I, don't, I, don't, I do like that we learn more about him and that he was like you know he was bullied right but what you don't see is that Snape was also a bully like he bullied other people he bullied Lily at one point kind of thing and like it was like it's very much a weird situation And like obviously there was an end of honesty between them but they also like attacked at each other, and we learned that really James was everything that Snape wanted to be. He was popular, good at Quidditch, smart, good at spells, all that kind of stuff, whereas Snape was not. He was kind of the, he was a Slytherin for one, which made a lot of people not like him just in general. Uh, you see that he is like, he was extremely smart and good at things, but not like the kind of things that most people in high school, high school. Uh, would find like really attractive to be around kind of thing but then he also like signs up for the death eaters so I mean like <laughs> you can't really I don't know he signs up for the death eaters in high school too so it's just like I don't know
1: well maybe you got brainwashed I mean
0: nope <laughs> he did it on his own so it's just yeah it's just like what well, I with when it comes to snake Gave, you're not gonna switch me I've uh I've looked into, like, so many things. I've like, been like, oh, yeah, because people are like, oh, he's not so bad. I'm like, all right, well, maybe I'll look more into these things and see if I like him. No. Every time I read those books, I'm just like, I hate this character. I'm not
2: <laughs> I'm going off it. the books. I'm going off the movies. Yeah. That's my primary fault. Which I think I my is my rate
0: too. So, no. uh, I think in the books, he's painted in a much better light, which is good. Uh, and I think that, yeah, I think you might be able to switch me on the, the movie Snape. But when it comes to book Snape, I'm very very much on the I don't like him uh Mm. but speaking of Snape uh, one thing I want to talk about is the one of the lighter sides of the movie is when Snape has an interview with Umbridge
1: oh man, that's the best oh my
0: god it's such a good part Carmen do you remember the line
1: yeah I was like so like you applied to be the defense against the art dog on seizure first and then he's like yes (laughs) it's like and you were not successful in getting it obviously (laughs) (laughs)
0: And Harry and Ron laugh so hard, and he smacks them both. You're just like,
1: <laughs> I laugh so hard at that part. Obviously, he's <laughs> just like standing there completely still, and just like watching her, like kind of like with his eyes, like walk around. It was, uh, it was the best. I <laughs> love that scene.
0: Such a good scene.
1: Uh, I'm not sure whether and... I like that part or the Dumbledore's Got Style part better, but those two scenes made that movie like oh, um, so
2: good. Two- Wow. The, the, I think this film actually, to me, it's got the perfect pacing. It's got really good levity. I mean, the first quarter of the film is a little slow, but mm-hmm. everything else is really good pacing. It's got good laughs, good. And lastly, the last point I want to talk about is the action. Mm-hmm. Holy fuck, David yeah. Yates, you know how to do magic, bitch.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say the next thing I want to talk about is that duel between Voldemort and. Uh, Dumbledore, because like Carmen said at the start of this Dumbledore is a badass like oh my god that duel was sweet like it was like you get to see a next level of magic in it something that you really have not seen in the series at all and like what two people who were like masters at magic were fighting like right I mean he like makes a giant fire snake and then he like turns it into something else and like oh my god the, the water bubble where Harry was an idiot and started come forward and it could have just like probably drowned Voldemort in that water bubble and like when he turns the glass to sand just yeah you're right David Yates he knows how to magic
1: I didn't have a chance to weigh in on the Snape thing I wanted to say that that scene when he reads when Harry reads his mind back when you see that flashback that's when shit got fucking real Mm -hmm. Because it comes out of nowhere it's like just like like yeah. you know, with Snape getting into Harry's mind and seeing all of his bullshit, and all of a sudden, switches the turn the tables, turn and suddenly, and he, sh- he shuts them down so hard. He's like, "Oh, you saw too much," and he like freaks out. It's just like, "Holy shit, that character!" Holy fuck. Yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> we know, and, and we get to know why later. Why he's not going to show him everything. Mm-hmm. Like, we figure that out why. Um And I think, yeah, Carmen, you 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 you're right. It does get real because there's this. It's almost, it, I'm not trying to make it sexual, but it's intimate. It is really intimate.
1: And, it, and it, it makes you so hungry for more, too. It's. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Ben earlier, yeah. and it's like the scene in Pacific Rim when Charlie Day first drifts with the, the kaiju brain, where you see, like, little glimpses of, like, what's going on on the other side, on, like, the on the alien side, and, like, oh, what the fuck? Are they making kaijus over there? It's like you see a little bit of that stuff, and you're like, oh, what, what was that? What, was that Snape? well, what the shit, was that Harry's dad? And you're just like, what? What? Like, it'll raise more questions than answers, and it adds so much intrigue into that character and that dynamic between the two characters as well.
0: And if you don't yeah. know what Karma's talking about, you should go back and listen to the Pacific Rim episodes and find out exactly what he's talking about.
1: Nice job. Way to self-plug yourself, Ben.
2: Allow myself to masturbate myself.
1: Allow myself <laughs> to plug myself. Oh, wait, I already did earlier. <laughs> Look Jesus, out!
2: Um, um, but, yeah, the magic is really good, too. Um, even before, like, on top of what you're saying, Ben, the scene before that, too, with watching the Order of the Phoenix versus the Death Eaters, that, it's really great. I think David Yates did a really good job editing those. And it actually, the Dumbledore and the Voldemort scene, I think, kind of emphasizes how not only exciting it is, but also watching Harry experience powerful magic like that, I think, kind of starts to give him the idea of, like, oh, fuck
0: hmm like this awesome. is what I'm up against
1: yeah um, why don't you come over and I'll let you experience the powerful magic game <laughs> <that makes sense. laughs> alright
0: um, <laughs> oh god Carmen <laughs> Sorry. Um, but yeah you're right like the Order of the Phoenix stuff was like when they came in and like they had those like light fights like versus Tark was really really cool uh, as well as like I really love the port where like Mad-Eye comes out and the guy's about to use a spell and he just like hits his staff on the ground and like shoots out the spell the guy. Oh, that was such a good scene. Uh, but even, like, the kids when they were running through the prophecy the hall of yeah. prophecies, right? And, like, shooting spells back and, like, you can see that they're terrified. Like, absolutely terrified when they're shooting these spells, but um, they're still able to, like, put all that stuff that Harry put, like, gave them, right? All those tools that Harry gave them uh, to use, right? We also see, like, in this movie how strong Ginny is, even compared to, like, her brothers and stuff. Like, She really is the most powerful Weasley, which I think is awesome. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Cool. What did you guys think of – sorry, it just popped in my head just now. Um, What did you think of the way in which after Sirius dies, the sequence that is edited afterwards of the way in which the the soundscape kind of changes and we don't hear Harry yell? What did you think of that? Hmm. Would you have wanted to hear him yell?
0: No, because yelling like that in movies is usually pretty bad. It's very rare that you can get someone who can really give a good, like, angry scream like that.
2: Maybe, yeah. I mean, most of the time it's muted because it's pretty hardcore. Like, it's 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 brutal. Yeah. So I wonder. I wonder. I would love to hear that audio. Yeah. Like, I didn't that's kind of that. Yeah. No, I think, I think that, it's,
1: like you know. It, yeah. we, so, oh, no, go ahead.
2: No, you do it, baby.
1: If you have the scream, then it's, like, very emotional because it's, like, you actually get to hear, like, this visceral agony and and grief. But uh, if it's... Uh, what does visceral mean anyway? I don't even... I'm just saying what word. I don't even know what it means.
0: It's the right word, but it's it's, like, <laughs> that really, like, gut-wrenching kind of thing.
1: But if you don't hear the audio, then it maybe brings to light the sort of loneliness that you would feel all of a sudden struck upon you in that situation
2: mm-hmm. yeah that's good um, um visceral is like a it's an adjective it's more it's like kind of like the the feeling it's like an it's it, like the feeling i guess this is yeah. kind of like the best way to, to kind mm-hmm. of say that
1: yeah yeah um... what were your thoughts on that Gabe
2: yeah you're like you can feel it in your body that's no, kind of how I would define that.
1: But you wanted oh, my... to hear the scream.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Cause to me it looks visceral. It looks like I want to hear it. I want to hear how agonizing it is. But on the flip side of that, I think it's a great job of muting it because you can watch this amazing transition of I'm in absolute agony to I'm gonna fucking kill you. Yeah. Right.
0: Which we see mm-hmm. when he goes up and tries to torture Bellatrix with the yeah. Cruciatus
2: curse. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Carmen, I know you, we talked about some of the stuff uh, last week when we were w- going for a walk uh, was there any other points that you wanted to bring up?
1: I thought the step scene between McGonagall and Umbitch was interesting <laughs> when like they're on the stairs and then like Umbridge takes a step up and then McGonagall takes a step up as well and then McGonagall's like well like we'll see like how much like the mystery thinks about this or whatever and then like she takes another step up and then McGonagall takes a step down It was like, they're very much like, you know, this power struggle they're having in a very physical way. And it was maybe a little bit too on the nose. It was just like, oh, I get what they're doing. So I don't know if whether it was good or bad, but it was definitely visual storytelling. And I appreciated that.
0: Mm -hmm. I like the, because it's very much the power dynamic, right? Like McGonagall in in the movies and the books, like she really exudes... Like, that she is in charge, that she is in control, that no one's going to get one up on her. But, like, when she, in that one line, which is, like, um, the one thing the Ministry won't tolerate is disloyalty. And at that moment, she, like, takes that step up, and you're just like, McGonagall has to back down. Like, that's just what happens here. And that's exactly what happens. She steps down because she doesn't want to antagonize more because something worse could happen. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 always an interesting scene to see um, two really great performers go at it, because I think that was that was one of the things that Maggie Smith really does quite well in this whole, in that sequence too that you're talking about Carmen is like how well she kind of just like not only is assertive, but also is like you don't know the shit that I've done versus someone. You know what it is? It's it's that whole thing of bureaucracy versus the experience of vocational thing. Um, and I'm not saying whether I agree with it or disagree with it because I don't know. I don't. I'm not that educated enough to say like yes, it's better to be having the degree than it is to have gone through the experience. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what the answer. Is. But it is a really interesting thing to see those two square off because really that's what the, that's the argument, right? Is you're just this machine that represents something that is faceless whereas I've been in the shit I know what I'm talking about
1: Mm -hmm.
2: so yeah yeah, cool let's Uh, talk about Luna Lovegood
0: yes one thing the actress, uh, what is it Ivana Lynch, amazing for this role, like she is exactly what I pictured when I pictured Luna Lovegood in my mind when I was reading the books for the first time like she plays it so well she's so airy it's just amazing.
2: Just Yeah, I think I think what I like about it, though, is that, like, I like Neville, like, Harry, like, Ron and Hermione, I think this is just another character that a lot of people can relate to in a way of, like, oh, I know somebody like that in my life. I, that's good chat, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what
1: the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> all right, whatever. I don't know why they had to give her a poor name. That's all I'm saying.
0: <laughs> oh, rough.
2: <laughs> What's the fault? your <laughs> Ben and i, I, I are do... talking about it we're talking about like how cool the characters the like, ah porno
1: yeah cut that part out <laughs> yeah. karma don't cut anything I... out of these. why why do you they... guys...
2: do you understand what you're doing you're saying that as you are not wearing a shirt i'm
1: wearing a you shirt yeah i'm wearing a shirt i don't know what you're saying and oh, furthermore God. why do you guys have me on this <laughs> furthermore <laughs> why do you guys have me on this podcast <laughs>
0: Oh, jeez. That's
1: the question that I'm... That's the daily question.
0: You also bring out the worst in both of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, You're
1: simply
2: the breast.
0: But yeah, I, no, she's she's such a good character. And, like, especially because, like, at the beginning, like, even Hermione lets it slip, like, saying, Loony Lovegood, right? Which obviously means that she's kind of... She's made fun of. You learn at the end that her stuff gets stolen and stuff because people don't... They think she's odd. Um, she's but bullied. she's, like... She Yeah, she is bullied, very much so But she doesn't let it get to her She's just like, eh, whatever, I'm just doing my own thing
2: Simply the so, best
0: Yeah, she's yeah. just a great character all around um, She actually, again, uh, from Pottermore But she ends up marrying uh the son, or the grandson Of the person who wrote Fantastic Beasts and where to find them
1: Oh, so. so now we're going to define success of a woman based on who she marries?
0: No, I'm just saying that's an interesting fact, Carmen
1: Oh, okay. Well, right. Well, as long <laughs> like, as that's why, it.
0: Why you gotta be like that, Kyle? I'm Just gonna, like, say this is this interesting thing from Pottermore.
1: Look, I'm just saying that I can accuse someone of having a poor name, but also be a feminist.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you will be.
0: You. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's all the points I have. Does anyone else have anything they want to bring up before we start going into... Uh, what's the difference between the book and the movie
1: no take it away stan
0: all right as i said at the beginning this is the longest book in the entire series so i'm not going to go through all the differences because that would probably make its own podcast of a couple hours so i'm just going to go over a couple ones that i thought were interesting carmen why all right uh one thing uh that i want to bring up is the weasleys so the storyline with bill weasley moving back to england to be closer to the family as well as talking about charlie weasley being uh out recruiting foreign wizards to the order has been fully omitted from the movie um these kind of an important part because both of these characters play big pretty big roles in the overall uh book uh and bill especially Uh, for the next book he was really big so it's just kind of a weird thing that they omitted them uh percy weasley is seen standing with the ministry of magic when they're going to go arrest Dumbledore. it's kind of a weird it's unexplained kind of sudden out of nowhere uh there's no mention of him disowning his family or him telling Braun to do the same thing to harry uh and it creates a huge plot hole in the film that is kind of weird because we don't like the last time we saw Percy is he was like really friendly to Harry so it's just very confusing um, for those who didn't read the books if you're actually looking at the characters the next is the missing house elf uh, like previous movies Dobby was not featured in this movie uh, and Neville actually serves as a substitute for Dobby in most interactions this includes him finding out about the room of requirement it's actually Dobby the house elf who find, tells Harry about the Room of Requirement And how to get in So it's a very kind of a weird part That they replaced him for that But yeah The next is I have here is uh, Hermione and Ron actually both become Prefects this year Which we kind of talk about in our Prefects mentioning uh, This is a big deal in the book Because Harry doesn't understand why Ron is chosen By Dumbledore instead of him And he gets kind of jealous at the start uh, But in that it just kind of drives that wedge in for a bit and then he realizes he's being an ass like ron has like earned it as well um quidditch is fully removed from the movie um this is a big thing for ron because ron becomes a keeper and then umbridge uh bans harry fred and george fully because he they beat the shit out of uh her or out of uh draco malfoy uh on the field in front of everybody um this creates a plot hole later, while Ron tries out for the team in the next film. Jenny doesn't, uh, because Jenny actually becomes part of the team in this one. Um, we fully don't we don't go to St. Mungo's at all, uh, but St. Mungo's is a big part where uh, Arthur Weasley is kept after he is attacked by the snake. Uh, we also see the reappearance of Gilderoy, who has still lost his memory, as well as Neville's parents, who have been committed, who have lost their memory. In the books, Harry finds out about the condition of Neville's parents from Albus Dumbledore uh, before Neville's other friends learn it here. In the film, Sirius tells Harry that they suffered a fate worse than death, and Neville later tells Harry more in the Room of Requirement. Uh, Just two more here. Rita Skeeter uh, was omitted from this film completely. In the book, Hermione actually blackmails her into writing an article to support Harry as the rest of the Wizarding World denies his claim as well as him being sent dozens and dozens of both fan and hate mail (laughs) which can be really bad Uh, and then the last is in the novel uh, Dumbledore's army is actually discovered because of Marietta Edgecombe who is one of Cho's friends who became a uh, member herself uh, who tattled to Umbridge in the film Cho is duped into revealing via Veritaserum uh, whereas in the other one she offers it up uh, for herself and this is how they break into the rumor requirement also in the film this is used uh for her, the reason of harry and her breakup instead of just a really terrible date Zzz, and teen angst so yeah um i mean there's some other things about like the ministry magic but it's just basically there's a very long scene where they have to go through like dozens of different Places to get there as well as almost all of the kids like are fatally or near fatally wounded in some kind of way including ron getting attacked by a floating brain
1: cool uh, yeah i thought you were gonna say they had to go like go through the accounting department and then like hermione got like life-threatening paper cuts or something
0: <laughs> no it was very bad like death eaters like almost kill hermione and like <laughs> it's really intense all right yeah
1: also what was the name of the lady that uh rats them out
0: marietta edgecombe
1: also a poor name
0: yeah I guess it's edge comb but it in everything that it says edgecomb uh, yeah so that is the differences for this time um, if we missed any differences or we missed anything in the uh, movie overall you can always get in touch with us at the cooperators at gmail.com give us those emails those comments those uh, critiques We love to hear them uh, if you have a Comments that we find appropriate and of a good length, we can also read out on there. Um, so, without further ado, we get into the votings. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Guys ready for this? All right. The first one is. Or
1: my name isn't Shirt Wearing Carmen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> the first voting we have is for the Prefects. Uh, as we said before, these are basically our MVPs for the movie. Uh, so far. I'm just going to do the last one because there's a lot of them um, in the last film we all agreed that Neville Longbottom was the MVP because he gave Harry the gillyweed and helped him through attacks that he would have probably failed completely or died during uh, he also was a friend to Harry when Ron was being a dick uh, and he was down by the water talking about stuff with Harry so yeah uh, in this movie Harry Potter the Order of the Phoenix who is your MVP Carmen?
1: Snape Obviously. Uh is there a reason why? Well, because of that line. <laughs> that one thing. And also I think that uh Snape was uh like while well, Dumbledore was neglecting Harry as we find out because he was worried that like Voldemort would use Harry to get close to him or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he was like he his distanced. Snape was basically like uh Dumbledore's um uh, liaison uh to Harry. And so I think that like he has both the power of Dumbledore and himself in his influence on Harry and uh I just like watching Snape do his thing
0: yeah cool cool how about you Gabe who is your prefect for the fifth Harry Potter movie
2: uh I would say Snape I would also say Sirius Black but I'm happy with Snape because Snape was in it from the beginning of the film you can hear his voice being like you know like he knows what the fuck is up that's the other thing too is you know that he's part of the order
1: yeah. Serious is a good vote too. Yeah. I, I have to agree with that.
2: Okay. Yeah, so I can, but I would, can give, I would give I give it to Snape. I give it to Snape.
0: Okay. Uh, for mine it is going to be Dumbledore, because he did a lot of stuff behind the scenes in this, uh, including like assigning Snape to do it because he wanted to make sure that give uh Voldemort less of a reason to come after Harry. Um, uh, he might not have been like done things the best way, but he had the best idea behind it as well as like that final fight like where he saved Harry from Voldemort himself and like stuck by him plus that exit oh the exit with the phoenix where he just claps like that's so good Uh,
1: this is the first time you see Dumbledore beyond this just the role of of, like the wise mentor like he's actually like doing shit instead of just like kind of influencing things from behind the scenes so I could see that too that's a good vote
2: yeah he's he's active not passive
1: yeah yeah
0: Yeah. um sweet Obviously. the next vote we have is for the defense against the dark arts teacher these ones I will go through in 4th place we have Professor Quarrel in 3rd we have Professor Lockhart in 2nd Professor Lupin and in 1st place right now we have Mad Eye Moody where would you guys rank Professor Umbridge or is it Harry and Harry
1: yeah I would say that too
0: maybe we'll do a double vote Or a separate one. Where would you guys put
2: Umbridge? Uh, Above Quirrell. She does teach them stuff. Is it the right stuff? No.
1: I would put uh, the combo above Lockhart because I think that Umbridge's shit teaching necessitated Harry taking on the teacher mantle and thus you know, there's always, like, the in order to teach things, you have to learn it really good yourself, and so, yeah, arguably, he became even stronger uh, in that uh, domain. Yeah, baby!
0: Yeah, baby, I, I put himself. him right above Lockhart as well. I think that's a perfect spot for those two.
2: Okay, done.
0: So, now we go on to the villain vote. This one's a little more complicated because there's a couple villains in each one. So, in number four, we have Quirrell and Back of Head Voldemort. Number three, we have Dementors, the idea of Sirius Black, and Wormtail. In number two, we have Gender Norms, Death Eaters, Heteronormativity, and Voldemort, or Baby Voldemort, however you want to say it. And then in number one, we have Lucius and Diary Voldemort. Where would we put? Um, I guess it would be Umbridge, Death Eaters, and Voldemort.
1: Yeah, just Umbridge and Old, Voldemort's fine, I think. Yeah.
0: So where would we put Umbridge and Voldemort?
1: I would put them below the Diary of Lucius. Yeah, me too.
0: Okay, I was going to say, number one, I think that Umbridge is just a way better villain than anybody we've seen so far. Because, again, she hasn't been linked to Voldemort, and she was still, like, super... Like, she impacted the students so much more than, like... Lucius did and so did Voldemort in this one I think compared to like Diary and Voldemort even
1: I could be swayed I mean I fucking love the Diary and Lucius like the combo is just like so evil and dark and, and like it's like writing and stuff and, and it's, it's cool but uh, I see where you're coming from
0: yeah I think it's just cause like she's evil but she's not evil for somebody else she's evil for her own means yeah right cause she's just like and she almost uses the uh, torture curse on Harry after killing yeah. him all year. Like, cool. she almost uses one of like, the, like, the unforgivable curses on him, so...
1: Yeah, that's fine with me. Number yeah. one is cool.
0: Cool, cool. Alright, so,
1: number Gabe, one... Gabe, did you want to wait in on that at all?
2: No, I'm fine. All I got right.
0: it. Right, and the final vote that we have, folks, is the movie vote. In number four, we have Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. In number three, we have Prisoner of Azkaban. Number two, we have Chamber of Secrets. And in place number one, we have the Goblet of Fire. Oh my God. Gabe, did you just turn into a cat? <laughs> did you just totally like, did. Are you an Animagus?
1: Crochet. Yep. You cock. <laughs> All
0: right. Where would we put Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix? I know where I want to put it.
1: I would put it in last place. So would I Because because there's no goddamn monsters Except for the fucking Threstles And nobody gives a shit about them
0: Actually, I, I could almost be swayed to put it underneath Prisoner of Azkaban Just because of how strong Umbridge is As a character Other than that, I kind of Everything about this I I, I would rather watch Philosopher's Stone than this
1: Okay, I guess the Threstrals are kind of cool But I'll put it above Philosopher's Stone But I'm not going any higher than that
0: No, I wouldn't go above Prisoner of Azkaban Prisoner's too good how about you, Gabe? Where would you put this movie?
2: Uh, it's not better than Azkaban, but it is a good movie. I don't That's know. What
0: we're fighting right now is, is it better than Philosopher's Stone? Yeah. Yep. Okay. then.
2: Even though Philosopher's think... Stone is pretty good. But
0: Yeah. I don't think anyone thinks it's better than Prisoner of Azkaban, though. No. <laughs> All right. So our rankings now are in number five... Harry Potter and Philosopher's Stone in number four, Order of the Phoenix number three, Prisoner of Azkaban two, Chamber of Secrets and one, Goblet of Fire sweet well, that brings us to our wrap-up portion thank you everyone for listening this has been the Cooperator's Reviewer's Couch you can catch us every Friday with a new movie, new series depending on what time of year it is You can also catch us on social media. We have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those links will be in the description of the podcast. You can catch us anywhere podcasts are listened to as well. Please give us a review. Give us a like. Give us a five star if you like what we do. It really helps us, and we really appreciate that. Uh, Or, you know, if you like it but you don't want to rank us, just share it with some friends because we'd love to get out there more, and we'd love to get into more ears. Um, But beyond that... Like at the end of every episode, we have to go on to the question of the day with Gabe.
1: Oh, well, one more thing before we go. I must not tell lies and I'm not wearing a shirt. So there we go. (laughs) I tricked you guys.
0: Uh, No.
1: (laughs) Okay, Gabe, give me that question. (laughs) Give
2: me that question, Gabe. My question was, what happened to Carmen's shirt?
0: Do you have a question about the movie? <laughs>
2: um, if Hagrid has a brother, I want to see the parents.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. They're dead. Both of them are dead.
2: Okay, that felt really morbid.
0: Yeah, okay. it's true. Uh, her, His father died when he was just entering school, and his mother died at some undisclosed point after she had her second child. Mm, because nice. a lot of the giants died because they end up killing each other okay yeah kind of more of an answer i can't really put any funny spin on that one
1: all right well that's, that's a really bummer way of i wish i had said the shirt comment after that because that's a huge bummer
0: yeah that's a very big bummer maybe i'll edit it yeah. so uh it
1: <laughs> okay, sounds good Here, i'll just do it again just in case all right i must not tell lies and i'm not wearing a shirt oh you thought <laughs> i was wearing a shirt oh what no i'm not wearing a shirt i <laughs> got him
0: <laughs> Alright, thank you everyone for listening and we will catch you next week with Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Double Dose Style.